the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And you're actually a wise guy. Why I oughta. Certainly. That's the film we're, uh, we're going to talk about tonight. It's um, The Three Stooges from 2012. Yeah, so uh, this is directed by Peter and Bob Fairley of Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin, and Shallow Hal fame. Uh, excuse me, Oscar award winners, <laughs> Peter and Bob Fairley. One, not both. Oh, was it Peter or Peter, Bobby? yeah. So Peter... Okay, well, get fucked, Bobby. Yeah, get <laughs> fucked, Bobby, you're a loser. Uh, Peter Fairley just won for Green Book, if you are listening to this uh, podcast in 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the month of March, he recently won an Oscar, folks. Uh, the guy, I will repeat, the gentleman who won an Oscar for Green Book made the films Dumb and Dumber, the live-action bits of Osmosis Jones, and okay. There's Something About Mary. Okay, of those three, Osmosis Jones is actually pretty good. Yeah, but that's the true. animated versions or the animated aspects are pretty good. Right, not the, the live action <laughs> stuff with Bill Murray is stupid. <laughs> when Bill Murray's giant zit pops. <laughs> yeah, no, the best lines are from the animated portion of that. Anyway, this is not just <laughs> a roast of the Fairley Brothers. This <laughs> is an episode about their 2012 masterpiece, folks. We will mm-hmm. say it, or I will mm-hmm. say it. Nick can uh, say what he wants. Yeah, but I'm ma- saying it. I'm saying it. <laughs> masterpiece the three stooges so this film had been in development hell for like about a decade 11 years or so uh yeah for a long time for a Um, long fucking time yeah and the i remember that you were you were telling me when we were discussing this movie um like jim carrey and Benicio del toro and sean penn were attached to to star at one point Um, they were all attached and jim carrey dropped out because he did want to gain weight because he was too old and then he didn't want to wear a fat suit. <laughs> yeah, he was. So Jim Carrey was going to be curly. Yeah, he was going to be curly. Damn. And he just, okay. he just, yeah, he made that executive decision that he wanted to focus <laughs> on his shitty artwork. Yeah, damn. And his anti-vaccination activism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so this episode is also not going to be dragging on Jim Carrey because we're actually going to talk about the movie. <laughs> we'll, we'll get past um, this introduction, we promise, folks. But yeah, yeah. so. I think at that point in development, it was supposed to be more of a biopic where you have these very serious actors who have some comedic chops do more of a standard Hollywood biopic. But what we get is a reimagining of the Three Stooges uh, in the 21st century in the, you know, in the post aughts, in the whatever decade, whatever we call the decade we currently live in now. Well, I mean, the movie was it released in 2012 um i think it was supposed to be like right around that time yeah i i mean especially some of the pop culture references which we will get into later oh my god yeah um so it's a slapstick comedy an homage to the comedy trio the stooges the three stooges which are mo larry and curly yeah I, i think i would say that that's the most iconic lineup i know they had um shemp yep and then there were there was one other one i, I always forget the fifth one i forget his um, name but he didn't like getting hit so he was the only one ooh. in those shorts who like hit people well the other but guys he, hit each other but no one ever hit him so that's like fundamentally incompatible with the very with the very conceit of the stooges yeah 
people uh consider those some of the uh the low notes of the uh of the stooges career i know that in real life i i, I found this out when i was reading the, the imdp page uh the actor who played mo really was like the smartest of them and he's the one that would force them to invest their money and not just waste it on like prostitutes and drinking <laughs> so that's amazing. The cast they settled on was Sean Hayes uh, as Larry. Sean Hayes is um, from Will and Grace, if mm-hmm. uh, you're familiar with that uh, television show, folks. Uh, Will Sasso plays Curly. Uh, Will Sasso is from Mad TV. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. He looks a little familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The, the Mad TV people have some staying power. You know, like, mm-hmm. it just kind of, they pop up anywhere um and then this guy i don't know who this guy is but uh chris diamantopoulos plays mo uh and apparently he like was he played frank sinatra in some kennedy's tv show that i've never heard of okay yeah he i took a look at his imdb imdb page and i couldn't really recognize anything that i knew yeah so that that is the trio right there and rounding out the supporting cast are Jane Lynch, uh, Larry David, Jennifer Hudson, Sofia Vergara, Kate Upton, and uh, Stephen Collins. Um, noted, uh, <laughs> noted sex pest Stephen Collins. Yeah, this uh, this movie uh, has some like uh, big sex pest energy. Honestly, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a good way to put it. As do like um, all the Fairly Brothers films. Let's be honest, but uh, yeah, this actually, one has yeah. spades. Dumb and Dumber, Shallow Hell. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. And this one um, maybe even tones down so, some of their, like, grosser inclinations. I mean, what we see on film, like, what, what we see on screen, that's toned down. But, like, the meta text of yeah. Stephen Collins playing this creepy dude who yeah. wants to adopt children. <laughs> it's, a li- it's a little iffy. That, yeah, <laughs> that is not toned down. Uh, that is keyed up as fuck. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, this film, uh, when it came out in 2012, I think you and I were both in college and I thought mm-hmm. nothing of it. I had followed uh, some of the production when the bigger name stars were attached, but after that, I didn't give a shit once I saw the trailer. Uh, and I think that's kind of what the majority of people uh, experienced at the time. <laughs> yeah, this, I remember... The first time I was like keyed into the notion that there was going to be a Three Stooges reboot or what have you, and I, I only probably found out about it years before 2012. Um, but I, my initial thought was like, "Oh, that's cool," and then it kind of came and went, and it, it made no splash whatsoever. So I completely, I completely forgot about it. I just had heard that it had really, really, really middling reviews, um, and that was my that was my conception of it. Yeah, same. Um, and I think that was the consensus, uh, for the most part. I found a review by Micah Phillips of the Chicago Tribune, and, um, it was interesting. His review was one of the, the less smug interviews, actually. Uh, a lot of interviews were just like, uh, really just like kind of, uh, with upturned noses, they wrote these reviews. It was just like... Uh, right. Even the people who were like boomers, 
like Roger Ebert who wrote reviews, like they were like, oh, well, I didn't grow up watching the Three Stooges. I grew up watching the Marx Brothers. Listen, listen, folks, you got to have you got to have your low entertainment with your high entertainment. You, you have to have dessert. It can't always be like a haute cuisine, you know. Right. And and like, let's be honest, the Three Stooges and the and the Marx Brothers both came out of the vaudeville tradition. Um, you know, just because one focused a little more heavily on dialogue doesn't mean they were that, uh, more elevated, uh, in terms of artistic merit. So, uh, yeah, I might prefer the Marx Brothers over the Three Stooges, but put me in front of a 20 minute Three Stooges short, I'll probably laugh. They were funny. I don't think I've ever seen a Marx Brothers I've seen a ton of Three Stooges because, like, they would have the marathons on, like, New Year's Day or on AMC or whatever. But I've never actually seen, like, a Marx Brothers um, entry start to finish. Yeah. Well, uh, there are some that are more critically maligned. So Mm. maybe for a future episode. Um, Yeah. yeah. yeah, So Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune says aptly, and I took this from, like, the middle of a review. So I don't remember what was before that, but this is how he starts it. Aptly, The Three Stooges tells its story in three parts, as separate short films adding up to a feature. Less aptly, the pathos involving a mortally ill child at the orphanage and the Stooges' underlying love for one another can get pretty brutal. The sentimentality often feels at odds with the protracted, unevenly executed set pieces relying on wrench conks, hot irons to the chest, etc. Also, the anachronisms chafe. While it certainly fills time to have Mo become a cast member of Jersey Shore. <laughs> and we'll talk about that, folks. We promise. Oh, we'll talk about that. Uh, and yank nose hairs out of one cast member while giving Snooky the eye poke. It's kind of, huh? <laughs> what? Even with its drab, a generic visual quality, the film has its moments. There's a genuinely funny visual joke involving farm-raised salmon, for example. But to really dig the Farrelly's tribute to the Stooges... You have to be more of a fan of the old stuff than I am. So yeah, that's that's the dirty secret to the Three Stooges 2012. Um, the plot heavily incorporates the Jersey Shore, which <laughs> which which is kind of emblematic of all of its problems. Um, I I did like this movie more than I thought I would, but that's not to say it's a good movie. the The biggest issue for me, um, Phillips kind of hits on uh, the biggest two issues. Um, are the horribly, horribly dated cultural references. Yep. Um, and the attempt to give the Stooges, specifically Mo, um, some kind of like emotional resonance and personal character arc growth. That seems entirely, utterly insane to do that in a Three Stooges movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's completely anathema to every single Stooges short that ever existed. Like these, these characters are cartoons. They, they kind of reset at the end of every, whenever you see the end go across the screen. They reset whenever a new a new short starts. They're they kind of just like pop into existence, um, like in like just out of like ex nihilo. Just they they are themselves to be abused and to abuse each other. And then when the end comes across, the cycle continues over and over. Like. G- giving Mo, giving Mo the the character growth of oh maybe I should go back and 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 rescue my brothers and bring them along with me too. That that's dumb. Uh, yeah, it's it's dumb. Um, 
you know, it's it's nice to build up like the brotherly aspect, the that camaraderie. Um, because if it was just the brothers like beating the shit out of each other, you know, maybe uh, it would be harder to watch. Like you do kind of, I do appreciate that you we get the sense that these three are brothers who do have a pretty good relationship with each other. So like it adds to the fact that they can beat each other up. You know, it's like that. It's like it's brothers who do appreciate each other's company. But mm-hmm. a part of that is like the male socializing and like doing noogies or in their case, uh, eye pokes. <laughs> doing lethal damage. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, grating the other's head with a cheese grater and crazy shit or like chainsaw. that. Or a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I, the, I, I guess the last, the last bit on this, on this little part, like you can show that kind of violent camaraderie. Um, while keeping them static characters, because that's what they are inherently. Yeah. You, you can show that affection without attempting to make them change throughout the three separate acts of this film, which they, the Furley brothers tried to do. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really work. No, it doesn't. It really felt like one of those... Um, there, there was like a, a spate of, of adaptations in the 90s of like, like reboots or reimaginings or um, depictions of like these... God, like all, all, all these um, properties from over the from decades past, like Richie Rich, the Flintstones, mm-hmm. um, Dennis the Menace was one. Oh yeah, and like <laughs> like horribly, horribly written, very ineptly plotted, um, hour and a half, two hour movies trying to like sum up the like the cultural resonance of of these like decades old legacy characters and like shove it into a plot, and it doesn't quite work and and that's what this reminded me of yeah for sure well what's interesting about those examples and the three stooges is that these are pieces of media that are episodic right i mean yes even if it's a comic book at that point in time and still for the most part in newspaper comic strips like you said it resets after you know, the three or four panels or however many panels, be it Dennis the Menace, uh, it resets. You know, the next issue isn't uh, him and Mr. Wilson referencing what happened the last time. Like, it's just, it's right. a new thing. Like, a new thing will happen. Dennis will do a new crazy thing. Um, but, yeah, trying to wrap this nice, you know, uh, this nice bow on the story just does not work for these characters. No, it doesn't. Um, and I mean, it's cool that the movie did three distinct episodes. Like they, they had the title card for each one and they had like a, a what do you call that kind of transition when it closes like that? Like a oh, an iris. Oh, an iris. Um, an iris transition. Yeah, iris transition, uh, yeah. which is now a reference to our previous episode. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, shitty, city of shitty, shitty of angels. Shitty angels. <laughs> the um, song Iris, folks. If if you couldn't put two and two together, yeah. Um, but yeah, all, all of which is to say, it, it's neat that this movie has three distinct little episodes in it. Um, and their mistake was to try to have like a theme, like a, a thematic, thematically coherent plot connecting all three. That is is dumb. 
Yeah, it's strange because when I was reading about the production of this film and as they were getting to the stage where they were actually writing this film, the Fairley brothers and the other script writer had said, we want to make this episodic. We want to have three 27-minute shorts, basically, that wrap up at the end and then there's a new story, which they have the framework of that, but then Mm -hmm. they have that overarching plot and I don't know if a studio executive made them do that. I would be willing to bet. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I think they could have, if they made this film like in the 90s, they might have been able to get away with the episodic stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in this in this climate of 2012 filmmaking, like it just, it wasn't a time in Hollywood for that kind of like experimentation. So I get yeah, why I that happened, but it's still like, it really undermines the thesis of this film. <laughs> the thesis of the three stooges. <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I imagine that there were significant production issues just because that God knows why there was so much intense um, brand branding. In this oh, movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That, that was really, that really dates the movie. Like there, there were two separate shout outs to Geico insurance, <laughs> like distinct ones too, like, like by name. Yeah. Um, there, there were a number of other brands. I, I, they kind of all blend together. Um, and then, of course, there's the reason this movie was made: the Jersey Shore tie-in. Hell yeah! Um, but we're gonna, we're just gonna tease that right now. We're gonna continue to tease that, and we, we'll, okay. we'll get to that later because it's we're stringing you, stringing you along, folks. <laughs> the, uh, the, the carrot, and uh, now you have to deal with the stick, which is us talking about the rest of this movie. <laughs> and there's a carrot and stick scene. Yeah, there's a little in this film character. as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the basic plot, uh, such as it is, um, the three Stooges are dropped as as babies are dropped off to a Catholic orphanage, and they're taken in by by Sister Larry David, who's who's playing a nun, and that that was that was kind of that was inspired casting. I enjoyed that. I, yeah. His his character's name was Sister Mary Mengele, like, like <laughs> yeah. Joseph Mengele. Joseph <laughs> Which is good. Uh, however, all the nuns in this movie, they do wear their, their rosaries, um, like necklaces, which is um, a very amateur mistake uh, for, for, for film. Yeah. Fairleys must not be Catholics. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so the, the Stooges grow up in the orphanage and they befriend all the other kids. They stay there for like 30 years. It's just a time skip. Yeah, their whole adult life, basically. Yeah. Um, and no no adoptive parents ever come by to pick to pick them uh, or adopt them, except for one case where uh, Stephen Collins of Seventh Heaven fame and his um, disposable wife of the movie uh, do try to adopt Mo. But little child Mo is like, oh, can can we go back and, and get my my fellas like they'll work for free. We'll we'll work real hard. <laughs> we don't we don't want no book learning. And then they drop him off and they adopt the other kid that they were going to adopt instead. <laughs> Yeah, they adapt this other, like, very small, very weird-looking child. Uh, the casting director did the amazing job of yes. hiring the weirdest-looking kids. Very odd-looking, like, ruffian children. Yeah, yeah. Right out of, like, 30s, 1930s casting. Like, mm-hmm. it just really inspired uh especially the kids who play the the three stooges i mean they maybe have 10 minutes of actual screen time but uh like they left a mark 
they made the most of those 10 minutes. They they were legitimately really funny and had like great comic timing, I thought. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, so that uh, act, act one, is called episode one, More Orphan Than Not. <laughs> Actually, and, and then that that episode concludes when they're grown up and they're trying to fix the bell tower. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then they get word that the orphanage is closing down because of the financial crisis. Actually, they mentioned, yeah, the yeah they, they, they mentioned the housing crisis. Yeah. Um, so I guess in, in the last year of Obama's second, uh, first campaign, first term. Um, yeah, damn, that was, uh, some good topical writing for Elias. Yeah. But they never really explain, why the orphanage owes eight hundred and thirty thousand dollars? It's just no, they like, do. They, they do. Do they? It's, it's it's the Geico thing. Oh, it's insurance. Um, it's because the Three Stooges are are so self destructive <laughs> that no insurance company will will sell them insurance because their premiums would be through the roof. That's amazing! Wow, yeah. that's wow. And it's a uh, that's what we call efficient writing. It's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the part where they beat up the cardinal too they the cardinal the cardinal is the one who comes to tell them um yeah that the the orphanage is closing down and they they think he's getting handsy with the with the nuns so they beat the crap off <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's uh there's some you know it's going to be difficult to talk about this film because we could literally talk about every minute of this film mm-hmm. um every pr- every pratfall and yeah every pratfall every side gag we could really just dissect them uh, beat for beat uh, it's interesting that uh, Michael Phillips in his review says that the set pieces are unevenly executed uh, and protracted like I just I never got that sense until the third act of the film and I remember because uh, yeah. Nick and I actually watched this film together the second film that we've done that for so far mm-hmm. and we both agreed that the the third act of the film uh, just kind of just flopped around and just relied on lazy writing well yeah that's where the flaw of trying to make these three separate episodes three acts of one coherent story really comes into play Um, yeah because the first two really aren't set up like that and then they have to rush it all together in the third act slash episode and it doesn't work no it doesn't at all um yeah it's it's the most heavily plotted of of the sequences in in the film and that's just not not the strong suit of of any kind of stooges media and um actually now that i think of it this this might be another good little uh, educational moment for our listeners um how would you define set piece in um like as a film term i would define set piece well i should say i usually define set piece in terms of like action films and um I usually say like action set piece, you know, um, so if you're looking at like a film such as the first Mission Impossible, uh, you can break up that film into action set pieces and more expository scenes. So an action set piece is like Tom Cruise breaking into the government facility um, using the wire and, you know, doing uh, with the lasers and all that. that's a set piece you know this um heavily choreographed heavily plotted sequence that gets you from point a to point z and tells a portion of the story in this film i would say 
it's like the old stuff. It's, you know, it's slapstick set pieces. It's not, it's still heavily choreographed. Uh, it serves a function of the story as well. Um, but it's not as big. It's not as grandiose. It's more these just intimate little scenes of sure. three adult men smacking each other in the face, uh, yes. interacting with their environment in a creative way. I guess you could call them comedic set pieces. Um, yeah, definitely. There, there's a specific gag that's that's being set up, um, delivered, and then followed through on. But yeah, they're all all of the main memorable comedic set pieces are they're they're funny. Like they, I don't yeah. know, they um they hold up really well. The, specifically in episode one, the repairing the bell tower on top of the orphanage scene. Um, <laughs> It's it's great. They're all all the stooges are in good form. Um, all three of the actors really had good, like physical timing in, in chore- choreography too. It's kind of it is like a fight scene, kind of like they're hitting each other. They're doing the block between the eyes. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're hitting each other with props and they're falling on their asses and stuff. And it's really it felt really smooth and flowing. Yeah, it's it's interesting because if you look at like basically the careers of all three of these actors. Now I can't really speak so much to the actor who is Mo, but if you look at Will Sasso and if you look at Sean Hayes, they don't necessarily have very physical comedy that they do. Will Sasso definitely more than Sean Hayes, Mm -hmm. but I mean like Will and Grace is, is is a dialogue comedy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Like uh, even a lot, the majority of even the mad TV stuff is still, Mm -hmm dialogue comedy or gross out comedy even and to be fair there were so many stuntmen on this film that a lot of those more physically intense roles had to had to be uh had to be stunt work there were enough stunts that were quite obviously done by the three main actors that um it impressed me and it it, it was notable enough that we put it in here as something something noteworthy yeah no i agree i think um they worked really well together they had great chemistry and and their timing um yeah was was definitely on point the bell tower sequence is interesting uh i have seen a number of three stooges shorts growing up and there were a lot of them that focused on the three stooges uh, as like these lazy uh workers basically like they always had like a business and they were terrible at it. Uh, <laughs> so this was uh, that. This was kind of an homage to the, some of those shorts. Yeah. So the bell sequence, they are like the handymen at the orphanage, uh, and they just we're introduced to them as adults via Mary Mengele, uh, Larry David, <laughs> like looking for them as uh, they're ostensibly working on like the shed or something. You hear all these construction noises, saws, hammers, drills. Uh, So Mary Mengla goes to check on them to see the progress of their work. And he realizes, or she realizes that uh, they just like recorded these noises (laughs) on a tape recorder. (laughs) And they're sleeping, um, they're sleeping like in unison, like they'll, they'll scratch their noses at the same time and slightly different sound effects. It it, it was good. It was like a classic. Yeah. 
and they're all sleeping like in the same bed and they roll over <laughs> with each other uh yeah it's a, it a, yeah it's a, it's a perfectly classic bit um that that they grafted well into into this film mm-hmm. uh and, and the bell sequence just has just some great sight gags um there's one where curly is asked to get a chainsaw to yes. break into like the hutch that the bell is in and uh he he turns the chainsaw on before he climbs up a ladder <laughs> yes and he hangs it from his belt <laughs> yeah. and and of course it cuts the ladder in half as he climbs up and so later when he tries to come down he's walking on stilts and everything yeah and then the the that bit comes to like a screeching halt when they introduce like the the sick children oh yeah murph murph and um Peaser, yeah. Um, Peaser and Weezer. <laughs> Peaser and Weezer. But we only we only see Peaser now. Weezer is his brother who was taken away to another orphanage across town. To a, a foster home. Foster home, actually. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. 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 that's uh, it's like the big bad foster homes is where a lot of the kids will go when the mm, orphanage closes. Okay. So okay. they like they posit that. That's the threat, yeah. That's the threat, yeah. Um, I don't know, just just the the visual of these three Stooges um, dressed up in like their classic outfits, like like very vaudeville inspired, like shabby suits and big old shoes and everything, um, interacting with like little little twenty twelve kids, yeah. Um, in, in like their colorful shirts and everything, like their colorful clothing, it was super super like disorienting yeah it's it's just not the strongest moments of the film the the kids are fine the little kid actors Uh, again i appreciate how weird they look (laughs) these little Uh, little gremlin children (laughs) like peaser is like really small like they just they somehow cast like the smallest little children with like the yeah. with faces with like almost no features, some of them. Either they cast children with like absurd features, <laughs> like the kid who plays Mo, or they cast children yes. with like these like doll faces. You know those um precious moments figurines? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Peaser is a fucking precious moments figurine. Picture like three malformed G.I. Joes stomping around like a collection of precious moments dolls and th- 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 that's what's going on when when the yeah. first kids. <laughs> that's this fucking movie and so yeah the the stooges have their quest they have to go out and raise the like eighty thousand um, dollars um eight hundred thirty thousand dollars yeah it's an absurd about a money it's almost a million dollars yeah it's very specific but yeah they, they go off on their quest um Oh, some some of the other notable nuns at the orphanage. Uh, Jane Lynch plays Mother Superior. Right. Um, Kate Upton, I forget the character's name, but she plays like, oh, isn't it funny that this nun is super hot? Nun. Yeah, Sister um, Bernice is her name. Yeah, and then um, who who is the other one? Uh, Jennifer Hudson plays Jennifer the stereotypical Hudson. singing black nun, like the the gospel singer one. And then, of course, we have Larry David as Sister Mary Mengele, which is a fucking great name, giving me flashbacks to uh, my after-school program at a grade school. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's how the first episode closes out. The, the Stooges ride off on their quest on a, on a bicycle. 
that they tie to a passenger <laughs> oh, car, yeah. but it drags them because they attach the grappling hook incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, they attach to the back wheel. Um, which is funny, and then they get to town. Is it is it ever specified which town? No. Um, it's like I think it's somewhere of... in the south, though. I, I got the sense it was just like a stand-in for L.A. It could have been L.A. as well. I, I really don't know where it shot, but it, it oh. looked like Atlanta or something. You know where it is? It's on the Jersey Shore. Do you think it's actually New Jersey? I don't know. I can't uh, tell. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess, I guess they wouldn't necessarily do casting there, but it must be somewhere nearby because um, when later on when Mo is on the cast of the Jersey Shore when Larry and Curly go to, to retrieve him. They That's have, like, right. They, they just they run there. over. Yeah. I mean, the, the fuck this doesn't like, matter. We, it's, we just, it's, it's basically a cartoon movie. It doesn't matter at all. We don't need to establish like the continuity and the, the, the geo, <laughs> like the geography of the Jersey, of the three studios. Yeah. It's like, I remember when Bob's burgers had first come out, there was this article where someone tried to like pinpoint which yes. boardwalk in America it was and they, yeah. and they figured it was like somewhere in the Jersey Shore actually or like yeah. Atlantic City but yeah. it's like guys it's a fucking cartoon or it yeah doesn't it, matter. it's like trying to find out where where Springfield is right yeah. um so yeah they they get to big american 2012 town that's fair um yeah so they they encounter Sofia Vergara who is married to some wealthy guy uh but hates him and is in love with her husband's like best friend so she wants to have her husband murdered to get like uh, some settlement because they had a prenup and that's when she sees the stooges on a street corner with like a sandwich board sign that says will work for uh the amount of money they need Uh, (laughs) Uh, meals included work is spelled w-i-r-k and meals spelled m-e-e-l-s i mean i think by now loyal listeners will have picked up on the fact that this movie has a trio of fail sons um to its name <laughs> and they're 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 dirtbag left icons i mean they they'll work hard but they don't take it seriously because they know that it's inherently bullshit they'll have faith in each other and they're their shared sense of camaraderie and that that's what we'll see them through. So three yep. stooges are the dirtbag left. Yep. They're always sticking it to the upper class and they like to use hammers a lot. So mm-hmm. there you go. <laughs> this is where the movie's plot picks up and the more experimental nature of this film <laughs> uh, just falters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess like, this is where the plot starts because like sending the three stooges off on their quest to get money that that's not really the plot that's just kind of like oh it's an inciting incident and you you the 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 real uh conflict gets going when sofia vergara is introduced and um she tries to hire the stooges as the as the fall guys the saps to murder her husband but as part of her deception she tells them that her lover her, her lover, Mac, I think his name is. I think so, yeah. yeah Mac um, or Max, I don't know. Yeah, she's like, oh, th- this is my husband, but I want you to come to my house tonight and kill him like when it's dark so he doesn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah I don't want to see it coming. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to see it coming. Okay, and then they push him in front of a bus. 
<laughs> yeah. They push him in front of a city bus. The city bus hits him into a garbage truck or no, a street cleaning truck. Yep. And he and gets it, caught in the, the brush of the street cleaning truck. Yep. And then an arrow that Larry had shot into the air <laughs> earlier, like comes <laughs> down on this guy's leg. And for all intents and purposes, we think he's dead. Yep. Um, but no, people don't die in this cartoon universe. He, he's sent to the hospital. Um, and the Three Stooges, they, they go to the hospital because they want to finish the job and get paid. Yeah. And this is probably the best sequence in this film. <laughs> the best set piece. Yes. So they, they do the classic thing where they, they all dress up as nurses and doctors and they, and they sneak in. Uh, they, they try to evade the, the strict tyr- tyrannical uh, head nurse. Um, and they have to hide in the, the infant uh, delivery room for a while. I think it's called the nursery. The nursery, the infant, <laughs> the infant delivery nursery room for a while, um, <laughs> and so like to maintain their cover, uh, so, some bullshit reason they they they're changing the diapers and then the babies start peeing on them, <laughs> and then they start picking up the babies and, and wielding them as, as pee guns and they're shooting each other with pee. <laughs> and it's it's like some like uh, Ennio Morricone like rip yeah. off like yeah. like it's a shootout. western yeah western shootout yeah. music and they're, they're just like squirting pee streams at each other <laughs> yeah there's one point where uh i don't know who it is but someone has the drop on the other stooge yeah. and he's like all right drop the drop the baby <laughs> and like he drops the baby he's like drop the over he's like drop the piece drop the piece he's like kick him over and then like he <laughs> kicks him <laughs> over <laughs> And then, and then the, whichever stooges, maybe Mo, is like dual wielding peeing baby. Yeah, dual, with with peeing babies akimbo, he he tries to shoot Curly, <laughs> but then like he gets nailed in the side of the head too. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, there's no John Woo doves in this scene. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, um, we we had our we had our like Eastwood like references. We that would have been a that would have been a good touchstone too. Yeah. For sure. So at the end of the hospital scene, they're not able to merc the stand-in husband guy named Mac. Um, they're chased to the top of the hospital to the roof, and they jump off with uh, with a fire hose <laughs> as <laughs> as a way to relay themselves down, uh, which breaks, and they land on an un suspecting uh passerby who happens to be another orphanage uh, uh, uh sorry who happens to be another orphan uh who they grew up with not only any other orphan it's it's the one that stephen collins adopted instead of mo yeah teddy yeah, it's teddy, it's teddy another yeah. one of the precious moments children yes. um, as, a, as a precious moments man now <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> Uh, and he's he's rich, obviously, because he followed in his father's footsteps of becoming a, a lawyer. Uh, and he's like, oh, I can help you guys out. Like, what are we? Uh, what's up? Uh, they refuse his help. I don't really remember why. Well, this is because this is part of uh, Mo's like bullshit character growth. He's like, no, we don't we don't need his help. We're 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 he thinks he's too good for us. But like, we, we don't need him because he resents uh teddy and stephen collins because they didn't accept him 
Right. And beca- because okay. he, had, he had stuck his neck out for Curly and Larry. That's right. Yeah. And this is also uh, one of the more cringy uh, 21st century gags as well. When Teddy's like, hey, let's take a picture. And he has an iPhone. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> And and oh Curly takes the iPhone and like puts it by his eye. He's like, "Hello, hello!" <laughs> <laughs> like low low hanging puns are great and and are great Stooges material, but like I don't, with, with with things that are a little more like eternal than like a fucking the, the word iPhone, you know? Yeah, it's it's not the best material for sure. The, the, yeah, there are great puns throughout this film. Uh, but it's just that's not one of them. The, but the the best one of the film comes up after this scene. Yes. So after they meet Teddy and they refuse his help, they go on to just business schemes or trying to start business schemes to make the eight hundred thirty thousand uh, dollars. They have some money given to them by Mother Superior, and they call it their seed money. Uh, and uh, they use said seed money to start a salmon farm. <laughs> and they, they literally start a, a, a farm full of salmon on a golf course. <laughs> and there's, there's this great, like, it just smash cut to the three of them, like, with shovels and, like, behind a counter that they threw together on the golf course with a shit ton of salmon just stuck in the ground. Yeah. And they're and they were just they're watering the salmon with like a watering pail, <laughs> and the salmon are flapping and like dying and shit. And... Yeah, it's interesting too because uh, I I think all of the salmon are like puppets as well or like animatronic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't. This film doesn't use a lot of CGI, which I appreciated. It it yeah. uses a lot of like dummies actually. Like there's a lot of scenes where like. I think the scene where they fall off the roof of the hospital building, um, there's a scene where Sofia Vergara throws them over like uh, a wall. Um, the scene we had mentioned earlier where her lover Mac gets caught in the brush of the street cleaner, like mm. they use dummies, like they use these old school prop dummies. And like the speed in like, like the, the shocking, like abruptness and jerkiness, which with, like with which they can move the dummies makes it funnier. Yeah. Like 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 when um when Curly kicks the baby over to Mo, he literally <laughs> like the actor like kicks it and like it slides yeah. across the floor really fast and that makes it funny. Like that's <laughs> he kicked that thing. He kicked the baby. Yeah, you you wouldn't get the same feel uh or or the same reaction if you were if you were using CGI. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so after the the seed money salmon fish scene, what even happens? Uh, the cops chase them, and then that that's when Mo rides on Curly's back with a carrot in front of it, in front of <laughs> oh, yeah. as as a beast of burden to run fast. Um, and they hide down a random alleyway because the cops are chasing them because the cops are pissed off. They did that at the golf cart, uh, golf course, um, and they hide inside a random warehouse, and once they bar the door and they, they just stumble into the darkness, um, they start fighting and they get really pissed off and they're like, Larry and Mo get really pissed. Larry and Curly get really pissed off at Mo because they're like, you should have let Teddy help us. He w- he was going to help us. He could have like, he could have helped us raise this money. He's a smart guy, blah, blah, blah. 
And um, Moe's like, no, no, he can't be trusted because, like, I don't... Yeah, he, he doesn't tell them what happened all those years ago at this point. But the reason he, he won't tell them is because his pride or his whatever and his stupid bullshit character arc. Um, but he yeah. so, he tells them to go. He's like, get out of here, scram. I never want to see you two again because, like, you're the reason that I can't raise the money right now. And so they leave. And so Moe's just left standing there in the dark. And then you hear <laughs> slow clap starting. And then the floodlights come on. They had everything that had happened. That whole argument was on stage. Um, they had just burst into a casting studio unbidden. And um, there's like 20, 20 people in suits watching, just clapping. And they're like, you're great. You're amazing. You have these, you have, you have this passion and you're going to say what you want to say. And you don't care. You're like, it's, it's not politically correct. You're going to say what you want to say, and you're you're the next star, man. You're it, baby. He's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And like, you are going to be on the most popular reality show of like on television today, the Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's it. So that, that's the episode. That happens. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's not that terrible. It's pretty funny. There's only maybe... Yeah two minutes of actual screen time with the cast of the Jersey shore. And yes, they actually do get the cast of the Jersey shore. I'm sure <laughs> it was in their contract. Like, Hey, yeah, you have to do this as part of this promotion for this television show. Um, I mean, they, the Jersey shore people get a fair amount of screen time. I, cause I, I had been expecting literally like just a cameo or something, but all, all told it's probably like a good 10 minutes of, of like, Jersey Shore shenanigans. Yeah, I think that's accurate. There, there was more than I had expected. Mm-hmm. I, I, I also, when reading the synopsis, I was like, okay, cool. He's in the Jersey Shore for like two minutes or two seconds, even. Yeah. But yeah, no, they they have a a screen presence, a significant screen presence, and uh, it kind of makes sense. Like it just, it kind of works. I guess you could make the argument that like reality TV is the the modern day descendant of vaudeville as like low comedy, low populist, like ma- ma- like mass market, um, very reductive, and I I, I don't want to damn like, vaudeville with like faint praise right at this point, <laughs> but like specifically the vaudeville tradition of physical pratfalls like you could argue if you want to do kind of a hot take that it's modern incarnation is the reality tv antics of today yeah especially with like the more like challenge oriented reality shows um yeah like survivor if you if you think of survivor if you think of even like big brother always had like those challenge elements Mm -hmm. to them or even like the literal mtv or vh1 show called the challenge you know there you go uh or the gauntlet like those are reality tv shows which heavily rely on kind of this this mishmash of sports and like it's you know, they they make certain physical performance physical performances for the setup of comedy right i mean even if you look at like some of the stages that they craft in in these shows it's supposed to be funny it's like when we look at even like the japanese shows too you know 
like yeah yeah and um or take it to take it even a step farther like like million dollar extreme or whatever whatever that show was called the not million dollar extreme um yeah that's the nazi one yeah yeah no fuck that um <laughs> mo- most extreme elimination challenge yes the 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 american dub of the japanese game shows um which adds right. that layer of humor in that that layer of like ridiculous pratfalls to the on-screen ridiculous pratfalls yeah exactly so uh yeah i guess that's our hot take of the episode <laughs> uh that's a new category folks uh that's the the hot take per episode the hot take of this episode is that snooki is the modern day groucho marks uh moving on (laughs) (laughs) moving on no further comment so yeah the the third episode starts and larry and curly are kind of destitute uh and they're they're actually whenever they walk by tvs they they follow mo's antics on the jersey shore they watch oh yeah uh, and, and and that is a nice example of like that kind of brotherly camaraderie um, that isn't tied down to a painful character growth moment. Yeah, I like before they realize he's on the Jersey Shore, they have like these missing posters that they make. Oh, yes. And uh, <laughs> it just has like a crude drawing of Mo on it. Um, and it reads 150 pound boy, our height, which is it just kills me every time. They just wrote yes, our, our height. height. And likes candy. Likes candy. <laughs> um, another part, another thing from this part that I really liked was they, they do the Jersey Shore introductions. And like if you've ever seen the show, um, like like they introduce all the characters in their own way with the nicknames. And when it gets a Mo, they call him Dynamo. <laughs> 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 and then... Um, even the parts with the with the fucking Jersey Shore people, like he goes around, he pokes them in the eye, he he like bops them on the head, he he takes a microwave and he <laughs> yeah. bashes one of them on the head with it, and he turns it on. Yeah, that was actually good. And then he he like has a package, and he goes to either Snooky or Jayway. I don't remember. He's like, hey, I think it's Snooky. He's like, hey, yeah, Snooky, yeah. I got a package for you. She's like, oh, that's so nice. But it's like, it's just an empty package, and through the bottom of it, he just pokes her in the eye when she opens <laughs> the package. <laughs> and then at one point, I I think it I think it's JWoww, um, after he's, like, beating the crap out of, like, the situation. Um, she's like, you can't just, like, hit people. She's like, you won't hit me, I'm a girl. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll do this. And he rips out her nose hairs. <laughs> oh, yeah, he rips out a few nose hairs. <laughs> and, like, as he's leaving the Jersey Shore like while they're taping one episode and Larry and Curly like find him, it's actually, it's revealed that like the Jersey shore people like hate him and they want to like sue the producers. Of course. Um, And then when the other two come on um, the producer, the the main producer guy, he's like, Oh, there's three of them. There's three of them. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so they, they they all reunite of course, um, because they find out that Teddy is Sophia Vergara's husband the one that she wants dun, to kill? Dun, dun. Um, yeah, it's uh, plot twist. It ties it all together. It's it's probably like the one of the better plot beats, I guess. But it's still all stupid. <laughs> I guess, yes. <laughs> of of uh, yeah, I mean it. I get it, it was expected because I, I had read the the plot summary before I watched this fucking thing, but. <laughs> um, yeah, so he is a lawyer 
his father, Stephen Collins, is a lawyer, and they at one point they go to the law firm to see if Stephen Collins will just like pay the eight hundred and thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> Yeah, and they go to this like absurdly tall building, uh, and they're looking around like in the halls for, for the business for the law firm, and this is a, a classic gag. Um, oh yeah. yeah, in the original Three Stooges shorts, they would sometimes be or reference uh, a fictional law firm called Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Uh, and I remember, like, anytime I mention, like, lawyers in front of my father, he's like, yeah, like, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so they they see a few different businesses, uh, and one is called Ditcher, Quick, and Hyde, and that's a divorce lawyer. Uh, 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 and then there's Proba, Kista, and Wince, which is a proctologist. <laughs> <laughs> The least believable names, but the funniest. It's not supposed one. to be believable. Like, obviously, it's not believable. Yeah, but like Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Like Dewey and Howe are like actual last names. I I know someone with the last name Probo. Really? No, I don't. <laughs> no. Oh shit! All right, yeah, I showed yeah, my yeah, gullibleness yeah. there. Yeah, yeah gotcha. <laughs> uh, and then the law firm that Teddy works for is called Kickem Harder and Indigrain. <laughs> And I know someone named Indigroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's where they find out at the law firm that um, Teddy is Stephen Collins's son. Um, and then they, that, that's when that's when Larry and Curly are, are inspired to go off and save Mo, or to reunite with Mo. Um, and so the three of them together uh, go to the party the the anniversary party that, oh the anniversary party that right. Teddy's having at his house and, and this is the big set piece of this episode um they have to dress up as balloon salesmen and sneak into the party because <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, they're obviously they're denied at the gate um and so they sneak in and they're, and they're trying to blend in with high society they're they're shoving food in their mouths and they're they're gulping down the the whole punch bowl at once and then we see a gun on the wall and I'm like, oh, that, like, that's way too obvious. Like that, okay, it's just decoration. Like, but it 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 features kind of prominently in the background in like a couple different scenes. Yeah, in a few um, scenes. And then this, they hear the scream. This little girl's like, ah, help me! And um, of course, the the balloons that they had handed off to her, she floated up to the top of the ceiling <laughs> of the big ballroom. <laughs> and then they grab the gun. So we have a literal Chekhov's gun in this movie. Yeah. Um, and they shoot the balloons, and she falls down. And then all hell, hell breaks loose and the security guards try to chase him down. Um, and they're running from the security guards through the house. And then they burst into Teddy's bedroom. And he he's kind of like drowsy because he had been poisoned. Yeah, or, or just drugged or something. Yeah. It was unclear. His, his wife took matters into, his own, into her own hands and was trying to off him that way. And then she bursts in with Mac, who's like all beat up and everything. And he waves a gun at them. And then Stephen Collins, uh, Stephen Collins Esquire comes in. Um, and this is where the double cross is revealed because Sofia Vergara and Stephen Collins are secretly having an affair on their own on top of the affair that she's having with Mac. So the true villain of this movie is, uh, the seventh heaven dead. Yep. As all films starring Stephen Collins should be, (laughs) uh, uh, he should only be the antagonist. 
because that's who he is in real life, mm-hmm. folks. Um, uh, literal we... sex pest monster. Yeah, so so to those who don't know, basically the reason we keep making the jokes about Stephen Collins is um, two years after this movie came out in 2014, it was revealed that he had a long uh, history of sexually abusing uh, minors. I think mostly that he he accessed through the seventh heaven. Um, I think that's right. I think some production. of them were even actors on seventh heaven, right? Like even some of the main kids or am I, I, wrong with I, that? I think that's what was notable about it. Like they weren't really the main kids. It was like, Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to butcher it. If I try to like remember this half, half memory from like years ago. But the point is he, he came forward and did the whole public apology bullshit thing, but whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, he sucks. So, he sucks. I don't know what he's been up to now. Hopefully it's uh, rotting in hell. Fuck you, Stephen Collins. Sue us. Yeah, so um, back to the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Stephen Collins and Sofia Vergara. Uh, I don't remember either of the characters' names, but whatever. Um, nope. They, they take the Three Stooges and Teddy and Mac hostage, and they're all driving away in a car because they, they want to like kill them in, in a secluded area or something. Yeah, they go to like a wooded area. Yeah, but like, and then how does the car crash? Uh, I don't know. I stopped paying attention to that point in the movie. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's the most boring. It's the most boring. This movie grinds like a film. screeching halt at the third episode slash act, and um, they're all in a car and just boring because there's like eight people shoved into a sedan and they're just driving and they're like just saying dumb lines to each other, and then the car crashes in the lake and they can't get out. They, they can't open the car door because there's too much water pressure. They can't right. sh- they can't shoot the car windows out because the gun got wet. Um, but then Curly farts. And <laughs> Larry procures um, a book of waterproof survival matches. <laughs> yeah. And Moe's like, don't light that. And then he does light it. And the car explodes from the, from the sulfuric fumes of Curly's fart. And... Yeah. Um, and they all get away. They, they all escape the car. And then the police show up and arrest all the bad guys. It, it, th- this was like rushed at the at the 11th hour. Yeah, for sure. I The only thing I remember was the... The fart. The, the <laughs> fart and the matches. Like, yeah. that was it. I thought the matches was funny. <laughs> that was, that, that, yeah, that was the only funny part of the scene. Um, yeah. And then Teddy's like, oh, thanks, guys. Like, I, I forgive. Like, you saved me. You're my friends. But I'm not going to give you the money because, like, I hate that place. And they they turned me over to a sex pest or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. And so the, the Stooges return home in defeat. And the orphanage is closed. But they go next door where they a new orphanage has been built. And Yeah. They hear, like, these noises. And they're like, I can hear the noises of kids yeah. playing. And splashing in the pool and and playing on the tennis courts like wait we didn't have those things no one had fun here (laughs) so they like they just jump through the bushes and they see uh sisters of mercy orphanage and spa yeah like it's this nice new building with a pool and tennis courts and like the nuns are hanging out and and like the the kate upton nun is like in a nun kini and (laughs) like the kids are having just a great time uh, the little girl Murph, who like had a debilitating disease, is now cured. Um, and there's also um, a Dwight Howard cameo too in this part. He's playing basketball with the kids. Oh yeah, that's right. Literally for like 
half a second he's on screen. Half a second. And he, he's That's right. Yeah, they're in a tennis. They're on a, yeah. yeah, they're in a basketball court. <laughs> um, so they're like, what happened? Did Teddy give the money? And uh, Teddy shows up in this scene too. There's like a thing where he adopts the the weird uh, precious moments the, children. The but who cares about kids, that? Yeah. yeah the, <laughs> um, but it's it's revealed that basically the three stooges and the nuns and the kids are like going to be like indentured servants to the Jersey shore producers. Yeah, oh my, it's so <laughs> weird. They're like, cause they're like, we're going to make a show called nitwits versus well, nuns. <laughs> well, but even, even before that, they're like, Oh, this is great. This is, this is swell nuns and kids. Like, but how did you pay for this? Who paid for this? And then they hear a voice. They're like, you paid for it. And then the the handsome, like, like producer guy from the Jersey Shore runs up to them. He's like, "You guys like are a hit, and like all your, the consider this like consider the payment for this for this orphanage your advance, and like, like you're you're gonna work for me, and you're like just sign here, and like we'll be making this stuff till the end of time." Yeah, it, it's kind of like, I don't want to say Deus Ex Machina, but um, because I, I guess it was kind of like set up before that, but uh. Yeah, it's lazy. It's just it it is lazy. It is lazy. The whole third sequence is lazy, and any reference to the overarching plot is just god awful. Mm -hmm. Um, It's yeah, it's it is what it is. It is what it is, and um, the overall message of this movie is like standard, like neoliberal Hollywood trash. It's like, oh, just like work hard have have your own personal ambition um just like put your nose to the grindstone with a little bit of luck like it'll all come out right in the end and and your boss will do right by you and and your your indentured servitude masters will do right by you as as long as you like work within the system but be creative at the same time it it, it's just very indicative of the hollywood mentality towards success i guess yeah i think that's right and it's um yeah it really flies in the face of the three stooges <laughs> like it's just yeah it's not at all what those shorts were ever about they never were like successful they were always still these three schlubs at the end of each one i mean not to not to like apply too much nuance where there isn't like or anything but like or, or to apply meaning like through my own biases to to artifacts from the past but they're the three stooges are very much like working class characters they're very much um loser characters they're they're not gonna make it rich anytime soon and 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 for them for them to be successful and for, for them to like make it rich and, and save the day at the end it, it kind of really betrays what they're about i think yeah i mean the vaudeville tradition was just these these working class people uh who instead of going into a trade like carpentry or you know uh plumbing they went into a trade of entertaining Mm -hmm. that was it's really it i mean it's it's a it's a craft it's it's an art uh in the same way as something uh more manual labor is Mm -hmm. or at least you know how you can look at it so you know it made sense in those that original shorts that yeah they just weren't successful because in vaudeville you were barely ever successful you usually just like died a vaudeville you know uh third rate Mm -hmm. star 
and then some people made it big, like the Marx Brothers, like the Three Stooges, but they didn't generally betray their roots mm-hmm. the way this film just utterly betrays its roots. The the very nature of slapstick comedy, um, you are, I guess, working in that traditional sense. You are using your body in, in a much more physical manner than what most what most other forms of of a comedy um, utilize. Uh, which isn't to say that mental labor isn't labor, um, and not to say that like doing slapstick comedy is real is like making a huge sacrifice for your for your. Uh, for your craft or anything. Um, but to do slapstick and to do pratfalls, it is using your body as work, which we all do to some extent, but it's a very obvious, uh, obvious means of doing that. Yeah, definitely. And in, in closing on, uh, on that notion of, uh, work and sacrifice and the sacrifice of your physical being, uh, I'll quote, the uh, opening to Studs Terkel's book, Work, where he says, uh, all work is violence. Yes. And uh, that's true, folks. All work is violence. A little bit of the highbrow for this very lowbrow episode. Um, <laughs> making, bring, bring, making a synthesis of the two, as they would say. <laughs> uh, and that also uh, transitions well into what you all listen to this episode for uh, or any episode of our podcast, mm-hmm. which is our uh, workers of note section. I will give a shout out to the original, the original lineup of, of, of the original uh, stooges. Uh, Mo Howard, Shemp Howard, Larry Fine, Curly Howard, Joe Besser and Curly Joe Dorita. Um, they're the originals. They're the, they're the reason this movie exists and they, they're workers too, even though they're all dead, I believe now. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! They're all dead. Yeah. Very dead. Um, we also want to highlight some um, performances from the film. Uh, actually, everything we're we're highlighting this time around is performances. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, Brian Doyle Murray, who is <laughs> Bill Murray's brother, uh, I think stepbrother. I think that's why he has Doyle in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a he plays a cameo. He's uh, the the Pope, not the Pope. He's like the Bishop guy. Oh, Monsignor. Yeah, the Monsignor uh, Ratliff, who they call Ratlips. <laughs> he, he's the one that brings news of the shutdown, and they, they beat the crap out of him. Yeah. Uh, he has to put up with a lot for very little payoff. Uh, kudos to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the three kids who uh, play the young versions of Mo, Larry, and Curly, uh, Skyler, uh, Gazando as young Mo, Lance uh, Chantelswertz as young Larry, and Robert Capron as young Curly. Yeah, they were they were really good. Um, there are a ton of people uh, that I found who did stunt work for this movie, fittingly enough. Um, I'm just gonna run through them through them all. I'm gonna give give them all individual name shoutouts, but it, I'm not gonna list what each one did. That would be that would be a little too much right now. Um, so for stunts, we have Kevin Abercrombie, Eddie Brown, Ben Hernandez Bray, Emily Brobst, Daniel Bruhl, Sarah Reagan Clemenson, Elizabeth Davidovich, R.J. De La Fuente, Philip Dido. Derek Graff, 
Greg Harris, Joel Kramer, Diana R. Lupo, Larry Mainland, Anderson Martin, Tom McComas, Renee Masseau, David Andrew Nash, Eric Norris, Natasha Paul, Cody Robinson, Frank Torres, Ashley Ray Trisler, Michael Trisler, Dane Derner, Madison Turner, Tier Turner. Um, so yeah, quite a, quite a few names that did stunts, um, either directing, rigging, stunt double work, uh, choreography. Um, and like we had alluded to throughout the movie, it was pretty top notch, um, all throughout. Yeah. Uh, without them, there would not be the 2012 Three Stooges film. So, uh, kudos to all of them. For better or for worse. (laughs) Uh, so Lewis, uh, who would you recommend this movie to and put a little spin on it when you, uh, when you, when you word your thoughts this time, <laughs> put a little English on it, put a little English on it. Yeah. <laughs> My broke recommendation would be people who liked the film green book, the, uh, 2018 Oscar, uh, best picture green book. Yeah. Fuck uh, the Oscars. The, fuck the Oscars. Fuck this white savior bullshit. Uh, fuck Spike Lee losing twice to movies about white people driving black people in cars. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he had mentioned that. Yeah, he had said yeah. it actually like right after the Oscars. I didn't come up with that organically. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, so if you like Green Book, it's the same director as this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Academy Award winning director of Green Book. Peter Fairley, who has two Oscars now because he won for Best Picture and for Screenwriting. Damn. Yeah. Damn. So, Nicholas, who would you recommend this film to? Our woke recommendation, uh, going off the broke, is uh, people who like the Three Stooges in general, uh, fans of slapstick comedy. It's really good at parts. Certain certain bits of certain um, set pieces are genuinely laugh out loud funny yeah there's there's some real creativity uh involved in in the execution of the slapstick here and uh as someone who's seen a fair amount of three stooges and other slapstick comedy like laurel and hardy um the marx brothers uh i i i appreciated the um the level of care put in this Mm -hmm. film sure uh so anything else (laughs) anything else you ask uh we have one more recommendation in our broke woke and bespoke uh categories here uh this is one i'll introduce but i will uh let nick knock this one out of the park because he has more to say about it than i for sure (laughs) but our bespoke recommendation is people who want to piss off bill donahue of the catholic league so the catholic league um is an organization that was founded, I think, back in the 30s, so kind of contemporaneous with the original Three Stooges. Huh. Um, but it today, as it exists, it literally has, I want to say, like 13 members or 13 employees or something. Um, and the president is Bill Donahue, who is this bloviating asshole who <laughs> he, he issues, like, pronouncements and, like, proclamations, and he, he calls them, like... Like statement, like statement by Bill Donahue of the Catholic League. I'm going to condemn the movie Dogma because like Kevin Smith is disrespectful to the church or whatever. 
and he he stand really hard for passion of the christ he, he's really into movies yeah um because he he organizes or attempts to organize like boycotts or or like censures of um like of dogma he and then obviously this one this this movie really pissed him off because um the sister mary magnola character and the kate upton being a sexy nun in a bikini character really pissed him off so much that they actually reshot scenes of this film <laughs> the the kate upton bikini shots were like i remember this was like were featured prominently in the trailers yeah um, her like she, uh coming out of the pool mm-hmm. and in the movie she's like she's like in a background i think she in the moment where we see her in like the nun kini she is just like sitting in a lifeguard chair as opposed to like centrally like coming out of the pool and, and that's the instance and I, I did notice this on the imdb page as well um it, it, it made a point of mentioning that several sequences that were shown in the trailers uh were not in the finished movie so there there must be like a ton of footage that was just left in the cutting room floor yeah um uh, and but we they, can but, blame bill donahue for some of it yeah specifically the the bikini shots were, were for bill donahue um so if you want to if you want to give him a little bit of an aneurysm, um, stand for this movie on uh, on your social media and follow the Catholic League on social media and just send him gifts of the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect uh, place to end it, folks. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we hope you uh, join us next week for another wonderful, terrible abysmal yet fun film see you next time bye folks